really have no idea if this is going to work. I know what it's like in my head, it's going to be great. I mean, hopefully we'll bring some insights, but I can't promise anything. I do feel like we should all have a drink, actually, now. You know what, I've run out of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stole my wing mirror casings. Don't give her any of the budget, John. I can write about it, yeah. I can juggle <laughs> too. Yeah, I'm not that old, Indy. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I was out for 20 months this morning, half six. I thought I'd better get myself fired up for this, and it worked. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Digitals for a Cruel World. Um, hopefully, as it's the first show, will be the uh, go-to place for all things cloud accounting and digital tech in the UK. Um, so I'm really, really excited about the episode today. We've got a brilliant guest, which I'll come on to in a minute and um, introduce him. But before I do that, I'll introduce my co-host, John. How are you today, John? Good yeah, morning, Ryan. Yeah, I'm good. Um, really excited to be involved with this and uh, hopefully it's going to be a really fun show with Barry. So anything interesting happened to you this week, mate? <laughs> uh, well, I was on holiday for a couple of days. That's really good. And uh, just busy, busy, busy with work. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll catch up on some app news in a minute, but um, shall we introduce our third partner in crime? Yeah, go on. So, uh, Indy, do you want to, uh, yeah, well, how's your week been so far? Well, it's not been as, as easy as I thought it was going to be. Somebody stole my wing mirror casings to my car. So <laughs> I don't, I, should I laugh. live on a nice, nice enough road, but apparently that, you know, Mini wing mirror casings are very highly de desirable. Yeah, not the cracking start I'd hoped for. Although, as you guys know, I was away touring Spain last week. So I'm just happy to be back in the UK. <laughs> well, let's hopefully end the week on a high then with this, this show. Um, so on the show uh, this week, we are focusing on the rise of cloud payroll and HR apps. And to help us talk about that, we've got our guest speaker uh, this week, which is Barry Matthews from PayCircle. Barry, how has your week been? Hi, um, really glad to be here. Nice to see you guys. And I'm really sorry to hear about the um, wing mirror casings. I mean, it's, it's ruined what otherwise was a fabulous week for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a fabulous week, um, not least because um, I, I was out and about meeting real people. So I was in that London meeting uh, actual and potential clients in person, um, I don't know if you feel the same, but 18 months of sitting here, looking at this, talking to people is just not the same. You don't form the same sort of relationship. So yeah, a couple of days in London was a real uh, fillip for me. And um, yeah, otherwise just uh, a great week. No, it's great um, to hear it. Sorry, I was gonna say, Barry, tell us, tell us about the hugs as well. Indeed. Well, uh, yes, I was. I was. Uh, I've had two hugs this week. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm a divorced individual. I don't get hugs regularly. Oh. Um, so two hugs from potential clients was a massive boost to uh, my existence and my my whole karma. In fact, I've been <laughs> I've been richer emotionally since. <laughs> oh, thank you to the two people who hugged you, Barry. I feel like that deserves a shout out. <laughs> that definitely does. I think I just should encourage everyone who is comfortable in the current climate to go out and hug as many people as they as they can or want to. I think we should jump into app news. So let's let's crack on. All right. So um so what's new in apps today? Anyone got anything they want to bring to the table? Well, I don't know if you guys caught Dex Commerce uh, acquisition of Greenbeck, and it's mainly for those kind of in the e-commerce space and makes it easier to kind of manage the collection of the data, links in with Xero, QuickBooks. Um, I mean, obviously, I wish I was an e-commerce entrepreneur every other day. Uh, is, but there's a million different platforms to choose from. And I think what's, what was quite good about this is at least it picks up like the main e-commerce payment platforms and consolidates all of that data and makes it easier to calculate things like the tax. Um, in that space, e-commerce companies have struggled with. So it's good to see someone picking it up and trying yeah. to kind of ditch some softwares together. I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting time, isn't it, for e-commerce? You know, obviously through yeah. the pandemic, been absolutely flying. 
Um, you know, a lot of businesses have had to move to selling online. And like you say, the number of platforms is a bit baffling. Getting that data out of those platforms can be really challenging. And we know that, um, you know, QuickBooks acquired one SaaS a while ago, which is a very similar kind of platform. Um, so it seems to be the direction of travel for the tech market at the moment is uh, looking at these uh, sales side, e-commerce, uh, you know, aggregated platforms. There's so many solopreneurs. Somebody can set up shop and start selling mini, mini casings tomorrow. So, you know, it's a very easy thing to get going with, but you Definitely. need to start linking it in and actually making sense of the data. And it's the accountant that has to deal with that. And the main thing is actually with Dex Commerce, it's kind of like it's preparing for that MTD and makes it easier. Yeah, I think, well, if there's anything, I've learned a new word today, indeed. So solopreneur, I need to start bringing into conversations more. Um, but I, I think actually it's an interesting move by Dex because obviously, the the whole history of Dex or what it was before being receipt bank is all on the, the expense side, and now they're moving on to the sales side. Um, they're, they're I guess they're broadening um, or completely widening what they do, and they they announced that um, this rebrand was part of a bigger strategy to start moving into different areas, being very quiet in what those areas were. Um, so, being e-commerce and integrating that side, uh, yeah, it's an interesting first move on that. But I guess does anyone? Anyone heard of Greenback before this? Because I hadn't. I'd I'd seen it. Uh, hadn't used it though, because uh, I I'd, I'd used some of the other platforms, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, uh, I think it was very much had a sort of a, a US focus historically. Um, but I think I think the move from Dex is interesting because you know, like you say, Ryan, they, they were focused in on uh, invoices and, and, you know, the purchase side of a business, the expense side of a business, and obviously it moved into the bank statement scanning to kind of react to where that marketplace was going at the time. Um, but, you know, what we're now seeing, particularly in markets like Australia and New Zealand, is that move to, to digital invoicing, which is effectively going to make, you know, OCR products, you know, obsolete, you know, clearly not in the next sort of few years but but in the in the medium term you know that that seems to be the direction of travel and so you know dext and other pro products like that have got to kind of adapt to the market and it seems that this kind of front-end sales side approach is a good way of of getting out that data um and, and clearly is a, a challenge that needs to be solved for, for a lot of products so from what i've looked at i'm nerdy i dig into these things so when i when i looked into greenback um they're not only just the the e-commerce side they do the expense management side similar to, to dext um much more focused in the, the us definitely that's the market and i think maybe this is a penetration point for um to dext so they're you know helping to kind of penetrate into a, a well more of a footprint in in the us but something that actually um was brought to, to my attention admittedly through a different podcast I and mean, i'm already talking about different podcasts but the the, the calicane podcast in the us is that um that Greenback is really good of like a, on that uh, extraction tool on the integration side. So where you've got um, Fetch inside Dext, that's really good on the US market. So I'm wondering if they're actually not just going to focus on the e-commerce side with Greenback, but plug into that functionality as well. So beef up their expense management. They've not talked about it at all. Pure speculation from my side, um, but mm. definitely something that I found quite interesting. I think... I think that's really important to, to sort of think about as well, because, you know, one of the things that, that really buggers up fetch products, you know, whether that sits in Dex or, or auto entry or anyone else, PubDoc, for example, is that, you know, a lot of a lot of vendors now are moving to multi-factor authentication. And so quite often these fetch products fall down when it comes to that. And I, I get the feeling that, uh, again, I, I haven't looked into this in detail, but I get the feeling that Greenback have, have solved that to a degree in the in the US uh, and, and are much more across that. So that <clears throat> that transition of, of technology using that within within the space is good. And let's not forget, you know, uh, the US market in particular in terms of technology adoption. Strangely as, as it seems, certainly from a cloud accounting point of view, seems to be quite a way behind other markets. Certainly, you know, if you look at sort of Australia, New Zealand, they seem to lead the chase. UK seems to follow. And then, you know, other markets, um, you know, seem to be behind even us, which is a little bit scary to think about, but catching up quickly. Yeah, well, I think as, um, as Indy mentioned, it, it, you've got quite a competitive landscape, I guess, in this area. And you've got definitely some, um, some more well-known brands that in e-commerce that Dex, well, Dex Commerce is going to be up against. 
One of those being A2X. A2X, from at least my awareness, probably the biggest one in the UK for what they do, for plugging into yeah. different streams. And interestingly, A2X released something uh, recently that seems to uh, be trying to, I guess, um, combat that, that news article from Debt's Commerce. So, so A2X, if you're unaware, um, interacts with multiple different platforms. Um, so eBay, Shopify, et cetera. And what they're now doing is they're changing their payment plan and which you needed to integrate into, or you need to have multiple different levels inside um, A2X. They're now coming up with a, a multi-channel plan where they're bringing it all together. Um, so one pricing basically that fits across everything that you're working with. Not, I'd say much of a change on the tech side, but how they're, they're marketing it bringing everything to one place. I wonder if that is a, a way to try and combat what I guess Debt's Commerce and Greenback are kind of set up to do, which is that one-stop shop, everything's in one place, one billing structure. Any, any of you, any of you three got any comments on that? I think so. From my point of view, it simplifies their approach. It makes it easier to manage. Um, you know, as you sort of say, Ryan, you know, A2X is probably the, the, the leader in the UK for our market. Um, that didn't always have the best integrations with all the you know other platforms, things like Etsy and other others that have come in recently. Um, and of course, and you know in the UK we've also got Link My Books, which is a you know really good aggregator as well. And again, you know the, the key challenge that I think a lot of UK businesses have is is around VAT, so our you know our goods and services tax, because the rules around that are mega complex depending on who you're selling to and where they are. Yeah, I think it's something else that. Um they may not be considered or they may not consider this point is if you've got multi-channel so you're selling on multiple different places at one point and um, if someone buys from one of that one of those channels then obviously your stock is depleted from that from that one sale your stock is depleted but unless you've got something that's monitoring your stock across all of these that on your other channel is maybe saying you can still sell that so you're having to manually update what's available across all your channels that's where you probably need an integrated stock system that's kind of looking at this um, and that's where I guess Expandly is kind of differentiates. So I don't know if you would have heard of Expandly, similar area um, like as Debt's Commerce and A2X, but has that stock management level inside of it. Something that A2X hasn't focused on, that's just more simple, bring things down on a line, um, on a, I guess straight as an income part into um, your finance system. From what I can see, that's what Debt's Commerce, Fly, Greenback are doing as well. Um, I think they may become a bit unstuck where they are trying to do multi-channel and You've got you've got people that adopt it and go. How am I going to manage my stock? Um, definitely a pain point that I expect to see. And Barry, was there something you wanted to, to add? So are some of these apps pretty disconnected from stock control, or is ERP disappearing and being replaced by all these apps? Or where are we in in that space? Well, I mean, the ERP space is in a massive state of flux at the moment. You know, obviously, we've you know, you've got the big players, you know, the likes of, of NetSuite and, and SAP who've been around for, you know, what feels like hundreds of years now and, and, and you know, clearly well positioned at the very top end of the market. Um, you know, and, and then we're now seeing sort of other other products like Xledger, Accounts IQ and, and, and people like iplicit sort of what i kind of feel are sort of filling that mid that mid-tier gap you know that sort of sit above a kind of a zero on a quick box but below those really mega products that I just mentioned um but, but absolutely you know i think stock control is a, is still an issue for businesses whether they're on those systems or, or not um but also let's bear in mind that you know we've kind of moved for some of these businesses that are selling online we've moved to things like drop shipping as well so although you might have to manage stock you're not actually holding it you know it's, it's literally being you know generally manufactured in china for example and then and then lands at, you know, on the customer's doorstep you know a few days after being ordered um so you know this whole whole concept of sort of stock and inventory management and, and what happens with that is is has changed in recent years um i, I do agree though that these um you know all of these sort of aggregator platforms like a2x and greenback etc you know they do disconnect that that stock management to a degree and that is a that is a fundamental challenge for businesses to overcome i don't think we've got a good solution at the moment but i know that we've also just probably been talking a lot about e-commerce and there's other stuff that's that's kind of uh, gone in the news this, this week i know indy you mentioned some cryptocurrency i believe there was a something in the news on that um john have you got anything on that yeah so uh long rumored and finally arrived is that paypal have kind of moved into the into the crypto space uh you know they've, they've been doing it for a, for a little while now in the us but it, they've just just released the capability to uh 
uh, to to spend money using cryptocurrencies. And I think they've they've kind of focused in on the sort of the, the sort of key uh, sort of three or four you know cryptocurrencies that are they're probably the most mainstream. So the likes of Bitcoin, Litecoin, etc. Um, and and I think it's going to be you know it's a really interesting development. You know, obviously as more and more um, you know sort of what I would call a sort of established you know, fin- fintech businesses move into into crypto it obviously you know, helps to legitimize crypto and, and, and whatever your opinions on whether that's good bad or indifferent uh, you're slightly divorced from this at the moment but um you know a, a number of retailers for example are starting to accept crypto either directly or through through the likes of paypal uh, and this is just another way of, of paying so it just con- continues to show the ongoing you know development and change that's happening and um you know at some point i'd love to talk about open banking because that's a real thing for me at the moment but um that, that's not for now we'll, we'll, we'll hold that for another time but um yeah really interesting development and, and it brings crypto to the masses uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens from a regulatory point of view and, and whether there's you know, some enhanced controls around that, because obviously, certainly here in the UK, the FTA are a bit twitchy about, about crypto yeah. trading investment and those kind of things. And, and um, you know, quite a few of the, the other sort of mainstream banks still keep it at arm's length. So, um, yeah, interesting development and we'll see what kind of uptake we get. I, I suspect, certainly put, talking from a personal point of view and dealing with clients that are using PayPal, it's still quite a way off in terms of, you know, it's not something they're going to be accepting straight off the bat. Um, and I think the key thing is about the volatility. You know, it's, uh, you know, being paid for something in, say, Bitcoin, for example, you know, is, is great if the price is going up, but equally it's bad if the price is going down and there's, you know, incredible levels of volatility still in the price. You know, it can be up and down sort of 10, 15 percent. And, um, you know, the one thing that most businesses want is a level of certainty around what they're getting. I guess yeah. the PayPal um, thing is limited. If, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's there is a limit. So it's not, they're just dipping their toe in the water and it's not, I'm not going to be a crypto millionaire tomorrow am i <laughs> no i don't think so they I, something i i picked up from the announcement is that they're not charging a transaction fee for anyone using crypto which i think is quite interesting they're obviously using that as a way to promote the use of it see what's happening like you say dipping the toe in the in the water um and it'll be interesting to see what happens because i still think crypto i uh, could be wrong on this and you know we probably have a whole new um you know episode to deal with that um i think that crypto is still quite marginalized from general business transactions and we need someone a big player possibly paypal in this um, instance to really bring it to the forefront so definitely interesting to see what will happen um moving away from the the crypto side and um, something that uh, i picked up that's happened recently um, and i'm not sure if this is a big change or not but from from the intuit quickbook side um it looks like they're having a focus with noify or at least more deeper um, in, in involvement with noify now those of you not have come across noify um, that is like a, a building contractor app um works very well um, one of probably the best on on or best that works solely with intuit with quickbooks um on the app store it's something that we've looked into in the past definitely a slick piece of uh, kit from the, the announcement that was made um i think well, i don't know uh, possibly a week ago now um looks like into it are getting more into bed with Noify and how they're developing and, and um, kind of working together for that specific sector. So I wouldn't say they've they've got a better integration because that's always been good, but they're going to work more together um, to focus in that. Similar to, I guess, how Zero and Sage, they'll pick an app, focus on that to, to delve into a sector. I know that Zero have really done that with agriculture. Um, it looks like QuickBooks are going to do that with Noify. Um, not sure if there's really much to add to anything. I don't know if anyone's got a comment, but um, generally just looks more of a marketing piece than um, a bit of tech news. So I think it's really interesting that um, that QuickBooks are developing this relationship with Noify. Uh, but you know, we know from historic experience, particularly if Intuit go down this route of potentially acquiring them, that they tend to shut off those products to competitors. So you know, if you're a zero user, Sage user, for example, anything else that connects. Uh, to that and you rely on it heavily it's maybe just one to watch and be aware of because you might have to hunt for some future options should uh, should the acquisition happen yeah definitely um cool so have we got anything else anyone for anything else this week uh, so I've got one other little bit um fintech just uh, on a fintech news side is revolute just released uh what they call their payday feature 
Um, this is kind of uh, jumping on a on the bandwagon of, of something that's been around for for a while now, which is the ability to um, effectively allow employees to draw down on their salary in advance of getting paid. Um, you know, there's a number of other products out there in the, in the market. Wage Stream probably is the, the most well known in the UK, um, and certainly I'm a big fan of of, of theirs. Uh, what's interesting about about Revolut is that you know they've launched it in the UK, but obviously you know fairly global business, and so hoping to extend that out into the US and, and the Europe uh, as well. Uh, but what what they've done is, whereas others will tend to charge the business for enabling employees to draw down early, you know. Um, Revolut have gone down the opposite route of charging the user. So if I was a Revolut user and wanted to draw my salary early, you charge you, you have to pay a small a small fee. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. You know, clearly they've got a captive market in terms of their existing Revolut users, and assuming that businesses will sign up to to this program. Um, but but you know, typically you know the way that others have approached it, like you know, as I mentioned, WageStream, they've gone down the route of charging the business. And obviously, they're making sure that the employee still gets their wage uh, without any deductions. So um, it's a slightly different take. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. <clears throat> I, I think I think this is interesting, really, and how payroll stroke software companies are going to address this. We've got some ideas for how this could work, particularly, you know, being a cloud app. We, we sit between and with the bureau, the employer and the employee. And... Um, my idea, and I think there's a degree of support for it within PayCircle. I'm speaking in an individual capacity here, <laughs> I to add, um, is you know the the employee three weeks into a month can log on to their portal, their PayCircle portal, and request an advance, which would notify the employer, who could then authorize it, and it would be released using whatever software is sits in the background. Uh, but because it's been it's passed through the payroll app, we could then, um, if you wish, accrue that that they owe that much money and automatically roll it into the next payroll run. Uh, it's quite a neat little way of working when you put the, them all together. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's always been that. Um, I say always. There's been more talk recently about running daily payroll so that people have money in their bank straight away. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what feature, whether something like this um, at Revolut's released or, you know, daily payroll starts coming in. But I think, you know, in that in that period of like we're, what we're seeing with Magnetech, everything being instant and information being there, it'd be really, I think it's a very interesting space to see what happens over the next two to three years, really. You just offended about 200,000 payrollers who, if, if any of them follow you on LinkedIn, you've just lost them. But <laughs> daily payroll is anathema to these individuals. And I sort of get why, but I sort of also get why you're putting that forward. It's a revolutionary challenge to the whole profession, <laughs> which yeah. um, would take a bit of uh, a bit of organising. But still, yeah, great, nice idea. Oh, no. <laughs> to be fair... Yeah. To be fair, Ryan doesn't mind losing LinkedIn followers. Uh, he, he regularly, regularly has a purge. If you follow him, he's uh, you know he's just like, oh, get away from you, crazy people. You know? <laughs> Ryan is just selective, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll keep me for the next round. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, the uh, but no, I, I I definitely cannot talk for payroll. That is definitely not my area of expertise, and um, it's more something I I just uh, heard about in conversation. So please. Do not um, lynch me, mob of payroll people. Um, so a final bit that I had um, is, uh, I've not got much on, on Sage um, this week, but um, have a little bit of news on auto entry. So um, I'm on a lot of boards and something that we've experienced internally and um, I've seen a lot of queries um, slash complaints about is that auto entries integration to zero seem to have been suffering recently. Um, so the speed of information flowing from one to the other. Now, something I've, I've um, got information on recently is that that has been resolved. That was identified inside auto entry and should have been rectified. So um, you've heard it here. You should not be seeing those issues going forward. That should be a much more streamlined process. But that's that's all I've got. Anyone else for anything? Otherwise, let's move on. This is one of Indy's dating apps. <laughs> <laughs> my clients used to print 3D print little models of himself. 
that you could put on your desk. Do you know, I don't even, like, we shouldn't go down this conversation route. <laughs> they weren't life-size in this. You don't have to worry about, you know, sort of, you know, being weirdly sort of dressed up and whatever else or anything like that. It, they were literally, like, the size of my glass to sit on the sit on the desk or something. Should we not tell Barry that for his, his, his appearance fee is three miniature models of the three of us that will send three. to the yeah, well, I'm going to call you the tripreneurs. And do we supply our own pins? So the main topic this week is talking about the rise of cloud payroll and HR apps. And we've got Barry to, to help talk through that. So I'm going to hand over to John, um, who will be basically asking Barry some brilliant questions. Over to you, John. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Uh, not sure about brilliant, but we'll see where we get to. Hey, um, so so Barry, we we kind of know each other, um, and and you know, just for anyone that's listening in, you know, the firm that I work for has, has recently taken on PayCircle partway through the pandemic as a as a change to our um, our payroll bureau solution, and uh, we're we're in the middle of rolling it out. But um, you know, Barry, I know that you've been in the sort of the the IT. Uh, tech market for a long time so so tell us just a little bit about your your background and then we'll get onto the juicy stuff about payroll Jeez, i will okay yeah thank you and hopefully i'll provide some brilliant answers as well to your brilliant question so um well yeah it tech background sort of goes back for a long several decades um started with an interesting programming um c programming on unix which took me through team management, ended up running a company where we developed software and used Microsoft Dynamics Nav uh, for sort of 10 years. Uh, and so that I became a sort of a salesperson and I'm, I'm still becoming a sort of a salesperson. And um, I changed uh, 20, 18 years ago into uh, payroll the payroll bureau world selling um, a, a, an established product then um, for a long time into some significant firms. And so I've been 18 years in this bureau land and dipping my toe occasionally in end user payroll. I'm slightly perhaps uh, less knowledgeable, but I get bureaus. I, I fell in love with bureaus and what they do and how they work. Um, I possibly fell out of love with accountants for the way that they treat their payroll colleagues. Um, that I possibly didn't, but yeah, so I've, I understand the world to a degree from a technical perspective, but to a great extent, the, the procedural processes and management tasks that are needed in a bureau, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. I could go on. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, well, we'll come back to the mistreatment of payroll colleagues shortly, shall we? Alleged. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, obviously in, in our space, particularly, you know, from, from my background and Ryan's background, you know, we are accountants. We've, we've got fairly limited experience of payroll other than obviously working with payroll colleagues. But in the accountancy world, you know, we've seen a massive transition to this shift to cloud that's been happening over, over the last 10 years or so. And it seems that payroll has lagged behind. And is there a particular reason for that? I think there are several, really. That's when it's possibly... Possibly accountants were, were too focused on the accounting world, and quite right too. You know, it's that's their main area. But um, I think, yeah, five years, five six years ago, whenever the word cloud was mentioned to any payroll person, it, it was just it, yeah, everybody reacted with never. It'll never go there. We can't put it there. The data is too sensitive and too important. Um, and perhaps the change is that the zeros and the QuickBooks of the world have, have proven that you can host securely um, very sensitive data in the cloud. And I think that's helped to break it down, really. Hmm. And, and how is the market sort of developing now? Because obviously, like you say, it's, in comparative terms, it's still relatively embryonic. You know, we, there are a lot of incumbent products still there in the market, but equally there are a number of, of cloud products or products that are shifting to the cloud. And, yeah. you know, is there a particular reason that PayCircle, for example, you know, decided to jump into this market, you know, with, with the, the his, history that, that various people in the, in the organization have? Yeah, um, several questions in one. <laughs> I'm not sure how to come out, I'll come that in as best I can. I mean, the, the PayCircle was formed uh, by um, three individuals who came from a 
tech stroke compliance background where they'd already sort of broken the teeth and proved themselves by producing an extremely widely used uh, corporate tax product, Alpha Tax, uh, was uh, was pretty well known, still extensively used, I believe. And uh, I, th- I think they, they took a look at the market and saw a few things happening. So um, the main one being the age, I think, of the legacy providers. And, and I think that the fact that Zero and QuickBooks and all the others, I, I just use those two to, uh, as the, the, the most well-known, I suppose, <clears throat> that they had succeeded in this space and that there was an opportunity here for um, a really well-designed product to sit in this space. Um, it, it is a pure bureau product, I have to say, and I know there are end-user products out there um, not all of them as perhaps technically advanced as bureau products need to be. But um, yeah, that's that's why the decision was taken. Certainly it's a hugely complex area, isn't it, uh, payroll? Perhaps that's why accountants steer clear because they're just scared of it. <laughs> 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 I, I think, sorry, Barry, I think definitely from, um, so if I look at the software transition point, um, it, a lot of it gets moved on based on risk. And I see payroll as a, a, a more risky area. That might explain why it hasn't, um, it's not moved as such, but or, or, or as early as some of the others. Um, so I guess my my question, and I hope I'm not cutting over you, John, is um, do you feel there's a change in that perception then um, that that the market is now getting to a point where actually the, the cloud software is as good, if not better, than the the than the desktop or surface software? I think it's interesting that an accountant is seeing it as too risky, perhaps. I've got to say that, really. You know, is it more risky or less risky? I think the risk revolves around you know, a, a large bureau running 600 payrolls, um, has always got deadlines to meet weekly, fortnightly, four weekly, monthly, and so on. So the, it's, I don't think the risk relates to security and uh, it really it relates to continuity of service, you know, and choosing when and how to migrate to each payroll across. Um, can't remember the second question there. If you wanna, no, I, I think you probably answered that well, Barry, because I, I think you're you're right. Um, it is about continuity. Um, you, you've hit the nail on the head that um, it's not about. Uh, well, I guess it's more about when you transfer and how you do that in such a, an effective way that yeah. the clients. Or the, the, the I guess, yeah, your clients don't notice or don't feel the effect of that. Um, and I assume you have a process in place that can that kind of helps with that. Yes, it's absolutely uh, vital. I mean, um, you. I think the second question you asked is, you know, what's driving the sort of change now, and why are bureaus and then users more comfortable looking at cloud? I think it's it's being driven by need, really, it, particularly in the bureau space where. A lot of people are leaving the profession um, or leaving bureaus and going in-house, largely because, well, um, RTI then, auto-enrollment, sort of there was a a mini-call of of payrollers there. But furlough claims has has had a massive, massive impact on payroll bureaus who were working, you know, 16-hour days uh, a year or so ago. And uh, some people just decided they had enough. So you've got a resourcing challenge. You've got end users who realise, oh, this is really risky stuff, this payroll. Let's give it to this accounting firm who who say they can do it. So they've got more work to do with fewer people and they're using old technology. So whereas perhaps three years ago, we cloud payroll firms were trying to attract people across now people are coming forwards because they can see huge efficiencies from more modern software that uh, better meets today's needs and because they have to address the the more business fewer people to to deliver it uh, quandary yeah and i think that that maybe leads on to uh, that point we made about the mistreatment of payroll payroll colleagues in the, in the past you know certainly you know I've had a little bit of experience as a, as a trainee, you know, way back in the, in the day, you know, working in the payroll department. And for me, it was, it was very much kind of a, you know, a mundane task as quite a lot of tasks are when you're a trainee learning, learning how to, to get around the, an accounting practice. But it, it did feel like a, a very sort of data entry 
heavy role, um, you know, a role where maybe there wasn't a huge amount of opportunity opportunity to dish out advice. And as you mentioned, you know, that that's changed with RTI or enrollment and clearly now with, with furlough being such a massive thing. Um, but, but does does you know cloud payroll now you know, remove some of that manual data entry, make it a little bit easier to do that, so it frees up these professional people who can can actually you know give advice rather than just being, I suppose, data processing monkeys, which is what some accountants feel that payroll is. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um, yes, for me, I think historically. Um, there's been so much data input required as part of the task of a payroller that that's where a lot of the, the value is lost. You know, how much do you pay for a data inputter? How much do you pay for a payroll professional? And the two figures are very different, but you've got one person doing both jobs. Um, the furlough claims has forced a lot of um, reasonably forward-thinking partners in accounting firms to look at the e-word efficiency in payroll. And the number of times I'm hearing that now right across the piece is incredible. And uh, some amazing stats have come out, which on the whole are as follows. They reckon that payroll people are about spend about 30% of the time doing payroll. Wow. wow. So <laughs> that's nice. a yeah. huge amount of time not doing payroll. So what are they doing? Are they pandering... <sighs> That was very, that was very, that was, sorry, uh, it just comes from the heart, really. But they're pandering to clients who are too lazy or or, or um, don't care enough about when the employees get paid. And they are doing data entry. So two ways that cloud software can help. So by, by collaborating with your clients, you can invite them, <clears throat> excuse me, to enter their own data. Um, obviously, some employers will hold up their hands and go, oh, I'm doing your job. Well, no, you're not. You're, you're already entering the data into a spreadsheet or an email or a Word document or whatever and yeah. sending it over. Just enter it here. And by inviting them onto the platform, you're then giving them visibility of some of their uh, really insightful data about where a huge proportion of their costs go. Mm. Um, the other piece, I suppose, so you can outsource data input um, to a willing client. Um, the other piece is automation, which um, there's a huge piece around automation because, you know, software designed and developed 26, 27, 28 years ago, some of these products are that old, didn't know about autonomic RTI, CGRS claims and <clears throat> all of the change all of the changes that have taken place in the ensuing two decades. And so that's pretty well ill-suited to working in a much more efficient way, whereas a product like PayCircle, designed relatively recently and built relatively recently, can take advantage of all those things. So, we, yes, we've got lots of uh, automation in there, which frees up valuable time for uh, payroll staff. And you, you touched on that point there, you know, efficiency. And I think certainly for Ryan and I, because we do a lot of work with clients, you're moving them onto cloud products, you're helping them to use apps to the best to their best ability. And you know, certainly from our point of view, when we're talking to clients, we're talking about efficiency as well. You know, we're talking about yeah. the efficiency of process, saving time, freeing people up to do something that's got more of a value add, whether that's within their business or, or within yeah. our own practices. Um, and, and I suppose one of the things that, that Ryan and I see, certainly from a cloud accounting point of view, is that you know, one of the biggest efficiency gains you can get is from integration with other products. So you know, we're now starting to see lots of HR products in particular coming into the space, uh, but equally things around payments. And you know, we touched on you know, the ability for employees to, to draw, you know, draw their salary in advance now through, through certain apps and the Revolut and Wagestream, for example. So where, where's the key focus for, for you as a, as a payroll bureau supplier, what, what's what's kind of number one priority and, and, and where do you see that going? I'm not just saying this, but um, it, it will be client demand and where, where you, you know, you as users of the system, as deliverers of the service to a, a client base who consume it will be driven by that very much. So HR, HR is seems an obvious one, but... Um, I suppose time and attendance is is another one where, where, mm. where we, if we're talking of integration and linking, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> payroll happens, you know, it happens periodically. You know, you do payroll for an hour, three, four hours per pay period. 
Um, HR happens all the time. People change addresses and names and stuff happens. And accounting happens all the time. So the, the, the problem around integration is really that difference um, that all of those changes need to be assimilated and drawn into payroll if, if that's the way they're going or pushed out of payroll. Um, and, and that that mismatch is a tricky one, really. And so yeah. do they need to be permanently updated when payroll is a periodic activity? Um, and it's an interesting one for me. To, so, I mean, I, I wonder if, um, you know, because our our in-house bureau is, is backs accredited, and I know quite a, quite a few, particularly larger practices, are also backs accredited. But but equally, that can be a limiting factor for certainly for smaller practices because it's quite costly to to go through the process of doing that. So I'm wondering if you know this rise of open banking payments that we're seeing. You know, we're seeing products like Modular, for example, which I know yeah. now integrates with Sage Payroll, for example. You know, I'm wondering if that's a that's you're know, going to be you know, the, the direction of travel for for bureaus in particular that are interested in trying to make this easier because, you know, that payment problem can be quite challenging to overcome and it can be quite a big administrative burden to, to deal with. I genuinely think it's a thrilling opportunity here for, for bureaus to get involved in. Uh, you know, Bax is that scary piece of, of, uh, for bureaus when they've calculated payroll, making sure, obviously, they're paying accurately and on time. That's what payroll is all about. And products like Modular, which we are in, going to integrate with, uh, we've already got plans in place to, to do that, uh, produce an exciting opportunity for the risk-averse bureau uh, because you can you can process the whole payroll in, in PayCircle or your chosen product and then have the client authorise the final payment, which is currently done in a clumsy fashion. So pre-pay pre circle, it's done by sending a PDF or an Excel spreadsheet to the client, waiting for them to reply saying yes, close and close to the deadline. But by smoothing out that process, I nearly said press a button and run the payroll. There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> there. There's a lot. <laughs> uh. But there is ultimately a button to press. And when you press that button and everything happens, it does with pay circle, HMRC is updated, pensions are updated. Telling Modular at that time, for example, if that was the app, that this now needs to be authorised and then in bringing the client on board, I think it's really, really interesting change. And uh, yeah, bureaus are going to change a lot in the next three to five years, I think, driven largely by the cloud. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And, and um, you know, to, to sort of help create that interest in that change, you know, what do you know, do you think there's going to be an opportunity now for for payroll bureaus and, and accountancy firms which encompass those, those bureaus to an extent to increase the value add of of payroll services and supply because certainly from my point of view you know there are two areas where there seems to be a race to the bottom one is around payroll one's around bookkeeping and it's always you know the cheapest the cheapest solution wins almost and well where do you, where do you want to be as a firm do you want to be fighting for the bottom or I don't know, in the middle ground or trying to differentiate yourself at the top end. And uh, that change is definitely happening, happening now. Historically, I think everybody has fought for the bottom price per pay slip. Oh, well, I'll do it for 25 pence less or, or whatever. But I'm definitely seeing a really significant change taking place. I talked about staff turnover. So I'm seeing quality staff distill or permeate through to quality um, firms firms who value payroll, um, yeah. rate the service very highly, promote it with their client base and charge a sensible fee. And so the, the poor providers are ending up with the, the poorest staff, which is perhaps how they can justify the, the, poor, the poor price. But the opportunities around payroll, I think, are massive because, I mean, payroll is a very reactive uh, service, isn't it? Um, you, you wait for the data, put it in and throw it, throw it back at the client, for want to the better phrase. But you, payroll has spent very little time proactively dealing with clients. And I think, as you've found probably with Zero, being able to talk to a client about up-to-date latest information, both looking at the same data, it introduces all sorts of opportunities for bureaus. Um, 
and um, I mean training opportunities, showing your clients how to get the most out of the platform you've chosen. There are some there are some really interesting opportunities for payroll professionals. All right. So, yeah, we've reached our of interest section, which is basically a summary of other news that, um, on the account sector, not app news, um, but we wanted to bring to people's attention. So so I'm, I'm just going to jump straight in, in here, guys. So something that um, tweaked my attention is that accounting bodies are now calling for um, a delay in the basis reporting requirements of MTD for income tax. Now, to be honest, I don't think this is a surprise that we're calling for a delay in it. I think there's, you know, it's a significant change that's going to be hitting um, in the next two years. Um, but with how MTD has driven um, cloud um, adoption, I, I feel that this will impact. If there is a delay, it's going to impact that, that drive towards cloud adoption. I don't know, John, what your viewpoint on that would be. Uh, I just feel like it's a bit of an excuse. Um, you know, I, you know, I know, and I can understand the reasons that the, the various bodies have put out about you know the, the effect of COVID, Brexit, etc. Um, but you know, I know from speaking to some of the software houses that they've been ready for this for, for a reasonable amount of time, and they're really just waiting to push the button on the updates to get them out there. And there's been lots of beta testing to of, of the products that that are available. Uh, I agree with you. It's, it's a potential challenge in terms of you know delaying. Or more delay to, to cloud adoption, and um, uh, ultimately, it's the direction of travel for everybody. So, you know, why keep kicking the can down the road? It's yeah. an educational piece, though, more than anything. So, most of the software houses have obligations far in advance, a year or two in advance. And actually, if you haven't got your ducks in a row, in a row, you're probably not a very good cloud software. Um, not to say in a, a bad way, but I think that a lot of accountants, it's more around the education piece of the accountant. And we saw that with MTD for VAT, that actually the software was ready to go. But it, it's just getting into the workflow of the accountant and the psyche to say, okay, this is how it works. Um, I think furlough and a few of the other things that happened over the course of last year is just, we've had to learn on the fly very quickly. Um, and I think people just, perhaps are looking for a bit of a break to be honest with you yeah yeah i, I get that um but i agree with you i mean the software is there it's all about the county firm actually you know sucking it and and and, and bring this forward um talk to your clients get it sorted so yeah i think the only thing the only thing that we had was with mtd for that we had that get out of jail free card which was the, the bridging software from excel i i've not seen anything in terms of opportunities to do that for the for the personal tax side of things and maybe that's one of the reasons that the accounting bodies think think we should be doing that because i get the feeling they don't want to force everybody who'd be captured by this to to be using software just because of an obligation but you know i i think it's it's a good opportunity and it should be the way we we should be moving yeah definitely well i guess the something we can keep an eye on and report back um if there are further changes um, something else I picked up is that um, that basically there's a statement that Parliament needs more powers to scrutinise the tax deals that HMRC basically makes with um, big companies. I, I think it's double-edged sword here. I think there is a um, there is definitely a concern that HMRC do just kind of sign off on big deals just to get rid of the the stress of trying to argue constantly against the big powerhouses, the big companies. Um, but the the government weighing in really help on this. Um, it's definitely something that I'm not sure I've made a decision on here. Um, I don't know if any of you have a, a, a thought on it. They want to be seen to be, don't they? Even if they don't really do much about it. It's, it's more for the headline, perhaps, than the actual physical yeah. doing of. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is more get something in the press rather than actually do something about it <laughs> it's very cynical that right <laughs> oh, well that that is me um so let's move on before i get dragged into any more comments in this um has anyone else got got anything they wanted to, to bring up i saw something it's, it's something i quite aspire towards um bosses have had uh the FTSE 100 bosses taking a 17 percent pay cut yeah and i felt yeah. a bit sorry for them <laughs> having to settle for 2.69 million mm. Tough, isn't it? It's, Tough being um, a, a yeah. FTSE 100 boss. Is it what? Well, what we would, what would we do with that amount of money? As you probably know, army of children <laughs> would be in, in through the door. Um, but yeah, no, I saw that and I thought, yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, the pandemic has kind of triggered that, but 
you know, is yeah. still a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a stat on here which um, said that what they get paid is still 86 times the median wage, um, which is just crazy. Um, now, you know, we're, yeah, it is. We're, we're in a market where um, you could argue that, you know, their, their work or what they bring justifies it. I think 86 times median wage is hard to argue that. I think, you know, there's consideration that something needs to be done at some point. But silver lining, it went down. That's probably the only positive we can take from from this. Um, it's a silver anyone... lining if you're, if you're like us and not on the big books, I suppose. If, <laughs> if you're one of these bosses, what... you might be a little bit miffed. But, I mean, yeah. it's an interesting point about the, the, the you know, the, the multiples that you've got there because it's certainly, in, I know in Germany, I think, is that there's a restriction on, on bosses' pay and the maximum can be 50 times the, the, the lowest median salary. So, you know, we're still a way off, you know, some of the European counterparts. But equally, I know if you look at the US figures, they're just like astronomically, you know, bigger than, than where we are. And I, I think um, Tim Tim Cook at Apple has just just been uh, just been announced that he made 750 million from his uh, share options in Apple uh, that he signed up to 10 years ago. So uh, fascinating. Cool. And um, was there anything else, John? I know we I think we saw something on um, zero data. I don't know if you've got more on that than. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Zero announced um, about a month ago that they they were going to do some work around the responsible use of data within within the sort of cloud space and particularly aimed at small businesses. Um, and um, you know, one thing I suppose to to start an education program for small businesses around uh, better use of data, cybersecurity, things like that. So they've they've created a what they call a responsible data use advisory council. Um, there, there was a little bit pushed out fairly recently about that but I think for the time being you know personally I'm a little bit indifferent about it uh let, let's see what they do let's see what they get out into the marketplace and um you know I know certainly for some businesses they take cybersecurity uh, you know uh, really seriously I think for others it's probably a much lower priority um and um you know, we'll, we'll see. And I think certainly in the marketplace, in the accounting marketplace, you know, the move by zero to things like multi-factor authentication has been met equally by, you know, with open arms by some and, and, and with sort of disbelief and horror by others. So um, I think there's a long way to go on, on educating people about best, best practice. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, zero, what I've been, throwing people towards the cloud for their own benefit for quite a while now just like the other cloud vendors so um, maybe they're realizing actually we need to we need to educate um some of our, our users our clients that are, are using our data and yeah it could be something positive that comes with it i'm not sure as as you said earlier my skeptical mind here is uh, saying this could just be a waste of time but let's be optimistic and see hopefully something good will come out Brilliant. Well, that brings us to um, the close of the first episode of um, our show, Digitals in a Cruel World. Um, so please, um, if you like this and want to follow us more, and um, please subscribe to us on, um, on the, the podcast networks. You'll be able to find us on the social networks and we'll be pushing this out everywhere. So please follow us, like us. Um, if you ever want to reach out to myself, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Ryan Pearcy on LinkedIn. Um, please reach out, send me a message, uh, follow me, and you'll see a lot more from us. John, if they want to reach out to you, uh, where would they, how would they contact you? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn as well, or you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Toon. Cool. And Indy? Yeah, Twitter at Indivir, and then Indy, Indy Tatler on LinkedIn. Brilliant. And both, thank you again for coming on our first ever episode. It's brilliant having you here. And if anyone wants to reach out to you or learn more about PaySircle, how, how do they go about that? Uh, equally LinkedIn, uh, Barry Matthews, uh, you can find me, you can find PayCircle on LinkedIn as well, or Barry at paycircle.co.uk. Brilliant. So, sounds like LinkedIn's the place to go. Thank you for listening to our first ever episode. Please tune in again.